How do you pursue a vocation that requires you to make a lot of money while protecting yourself from the love of money? That's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Welcome to Conflicted, the podcast exploring the tension Christian entrepreneurs face trying to pursue success in business and sacrifice in service to Christ. I'm your host, Sean Tombagahan, and I'm glad to be with you on this journey. Welcome to episode four of the Conflicted Podcast. If you're following along, we've been reviewing the um, three initial conflicts that I've personally faced as a Christian entrepreneur. Uh, Just a quick summary, the, the first conflict was the conflict of a false choice. You know, I thought I had to choose between building a business and being a minister of the gospel. And I talked about how God reshaped my thinking through the scriptures to help me see that we're all called to be ministers of the gospel, regardless of our occupation. Um, On uh, episode three, I talked about the conflict of time, uh, specifically how I I felt um, guilty because when I first started my business, it seemed like my time and my focus was divided. You know, I wasn't spending as much time in study and the Word of God and in, and in prayer as I did before when I uh, before I started my business. Um, I, I really felt like I was sacrificing my devotion to Christ on the altar of success in business. And uh, what God helped me realize was that all of life is devoted to Him, not just the times that we. Uh, deem as more spiritual. So, you know, he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, uh, in my case, building a business, you can do that unto the glory of God. And I also learned that I had to respect the different seasons that God has me in and um, lean on him for direction as to how to navigate those seasons. Now, this third conflict has actually been the hardest for me to write my own thoughts down about and to think through. And um, the reason why is because it's the the struggle. It's it's the one that I still struggle with the most to this day. And I am talking about money. And so what I mean by that is, you know, regarding the conflict of choice, I don't actively struggle with the fact that God has faithful people in all walks of life. You know, I understand that you can be a janitor and probably have a greater eternal reward than a lot of pastors or full time ministers and. I've settled that in my mind. I don't doubt that. And even though, you know, sometimes in the midst of my work, if I'm in the middle of a big project or something, or, you know, so I'm working on like an insurance company, um, doing design work, uh, or some kind of monotonous task associated with my business. Yeah, I sometimes I doubt and I ask, you know, why am I even doing this? But that's like a nanosecond. Uh, it's not like an active struggle for me. Um, and regarding the conflict of time... I'm totally content now with the fact that God has me in a different season of life. Um, And I do know that I need to press into him to see what faithfulness looks like in every season, including the one that I'm currently in. I don't measure my salvation by, um, you know, or my walk with God, you know, how close I am to him on the basis of the amount of Bible chapters I've read that week or how many hours I've spent in prayer. And yes, obviously I have to spot check sometimes. I have to make sure I'm not neglecting my spiritual disciplines, but I'm I'm not like hung up over the fact that I don't have as much free time as I did in the beginning of my walk with God. I don't struggle with that. But when it comes to this issue of money, it's something that I I constantly struggle with to this day. 
You know, how do you make a ton of money and not love it? Or how do you pursue a career um, that requires you to generate a lot of revenue, but not be overtaken by the love of money? You know, a lot of um, entrepreneurial teaching on money, especially those who are from a faith background or Christian entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of the talk is really just about proper money management, um, investment, and you know they talk about charity and giving and being a generous person. Uh, but you know, is that it for the Christian? You know, just be generous and give. You know, I think about like Oprah. You know, she's she gives a lot more than most entrepreneurs we would know know about. But um, you know, I, I just see in the scriptures that for the Christian. The attitude and relationship with money is supposed to look radically different than the world's. So the ge- the general conflict is this: How do you pursue? How do I pursue personally a financially successful business and live a life of contentment and sacrifice? Right. So those two words are are important: contentment and sacrifice, while guarding against the temptation to not love money. And to to spend everything I get on myself. And those words, contentment and sacrifice, you know, they always make me pause a little bit. And if I'm honest, sometimes hang my head in shame. You know, a lot of Christian entrepreneurs, I believe, wrongly try to ease the tension of guilt that we can fall into when it comes to money. You know, we're quick to point out that the Bible doesn't say money's the root of all evil, but First Timothy 6, it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, that's true, but the correction comes as if we're free from the love of money. You know, I, I say people wrongly do this, not because they have malicious intent. You know, I believe that most people that say this are, you know, a lot of Christian entrepreneurs, they have good intentions and they want to help people live free from condemnation or uh, they don't want people to be ruled by guilt. But there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Yeah, Christ doesn't want to condemn his children. But the Holy Spirit does bring conviction of sin. And for us, it's very easy to fall into sin with regards to our love for money. You, you know, we never want to perceive ourselves as being the bad guy in the story. Right? So, so like, for example, the, um, the story of the rich young ruler. We like to perceive ourselves as, at least I do, as being like the inquisitive bystander, right? The person that's watching this drama unfold and and sees the tragedy for what it is. We don't really see ourselves as the delusional young man who really thought that he'd do anything to have God, but was really owned by his stuff. When I said earlier that sometimes I I hang my head in shame, it's because I wonder, you know, how much of the rich young ruler lives in me? So, you know, that, that passage in 1 Timothy 6, uh, the love of money is the, roots, uh, is the root of all kinds of evil. I want to I look at that, and we're going to read that and see what Paul's actually saying to us and how we can apply this to our pursuit of making a lot of money to build a successful business. He says in 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, 
Some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So this is Paul's first section in the chapter um, dealing with money in this book. And he's addressing those who desire to make a lot of money, right? So he uses the word, the phrase, uh, those who want to be rich. And, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, I don't have the desire to be a rich person, but we can't forget that a rich person is just someone who makes a lot of money. And for us who want to have a successful business, meaning uh, by that financially successful, yes, we have the desire to be rich. We have the desire to make a lot of money. And he says that those people who have that desire, they fall into a temptation, into temptation, to a trap. You know, in the pursuit of wealth, we're very susceptible to the temptations of money. I think it's important that we have to admit this. You know, we, we can't think that we're beyond being tempted by money's enticements. We have to heed Paul's warning that some people, like he says right there, he says, some people have wandered away from the faith in their pursuit of wealth. Yeah, I, you know, it'd just be foolish of us to ignore this warning as if we're freed from that temptation. Like, oh no, that's other people. He's like, no, he's talking about us. You know, what's interesting, though, is that in the first part of um, this passage, he's addressing those people who have the desire to make a lot of money. Uh, but what about those people who've already done that, right? The, the people who've already amassed wealth. You know, and if you're like me, it's hard for you to put yourself in the category of someone who's already rich. But, but look at the dictionary definition of rich. It means having wealth or great possessions, abundantly supplied with resources, means, or funds. <clears throat> you know, we, we think of ourselves, um, or actually we, we think of rich people as being like the millionaires, the billionaires. Um, however, we have to realize that nearly half the world lives off of less than $3 a day. So if you're making minimum wage in America, you are comparatively more wealthy meaning you have abundantly supplied with means, uh, you have resources and funds, you're, you're more wealthy than most of the world. And rich people hardly think of themselves as being rich. But if you're listening to this podcast on a smartphone that you own, chances are that you're in that category whether you feel like it or not. So what, what does Paul say about those who already have wealth? He says, in uh, verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us all with things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come so that they may take hold of life that is real. So in, in light of 1 Timothy 6, there's a few things that I try to do, I try to implement in my life to guard myself against the love of money. Like I said earlier, I'm, I haven't arrived. This is still, this is still the, the subject that I still struggle with to this day. But um, I do put um, these guardrails, these boundaries, these uh, disciplines, if you will, in my life to try to guard myself against the love of money. So he talks about being self-aware, right? So that's the first thing is be self-aware. Yeah, I have to put myself in the category of the one who desires to be rich. Paul is exhorting people, right? He, he's writing this letter to Timothy and he's saying like, you need to tell these people. Some people desire to be rich 
And some people are already rich. And so you have to, to, to put yourself in this category. At least for me, I have to put myself in the category as someone who both desires to be rich because I, I do desire to make a lot of money in my business. I, to, I want to have a successful business, but also um, I have to put myself in the category as the one who already does have great wealth. And it helps me to see the warnings as directly applicable to me. And it makes me be a little bit more vigilant against temptation. It does me no good if I think of Paul as talking to somebody else out there. The second thing is uh, I try to treat giving as a non-negotiable. You know, Paul says to be generous, be willing to share, storing up treasures in heaven. You know, regardless of what you believe about tithing, you know, some people think that it's just an Old Testament command. It's it's not applicable to the New Testament. But regardless of what you believe about that, I think tithing for me personally um, is great training wheels. Um, I I do not see um, at this stage in my understanding of the scripture, I don't see tithing as a New Testament command. Uh, However, I do see it as a biblical principle and for me and my wife, we when we first started tithing, we did see it as a mandate for all Christians for all time. But just in, in studying the scripture, I, I see it more as give what you've purposed in your heart. Don't give under compulsion. But we've always committed to tithing. And we use tithing, uh, which means 10th, 10%. Uh, we use tithing as training wheels. We don't give um, just 10% and say, okay, well, we just blow the 90 on whatever else, it, you know, really the, the biblical concept is God owns everything. It's all his. And so we trust him with the minimum of 10% and and ask him, uh, you know, wh- where can we help? Where can we be generous? You know, look for opportunities to be a blessing. Seek the heart of God and, and he will reveal to you areas that you can help. I also try to give uh, when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. You know, when you have a lot of money, it's easy to just do your part, right? So if you use the tithe or 10% as your part, uh, it's really easy to just treat that like a bill. You know, it's it's important, I think, to look out for opportunities to share with those in need when you have the means. You know, check out what James says here. I have James um, chapter 2. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? And the answer is no. But uh, he says, he continues, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Now, obviously, James here, he's talking about, you know, your salvation. Like if you say you have faith, but it doesn't show up in any meaningful way in your life, then the faith you claim to have is not true faith. And he gives that example. If someone has, you know, some sort of a need and you have the means, it doesn't do anything if you just wish them well and and be on their way. And so we have to be looking for areas to put our faith into practice. And, you know, do we really believe what we say we believe and does that show up in our life? Acts 20, 35 says, In every way uh, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it's necessary to help the weak and keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I've been both the um, the uh, recipient as well as the giver on the giving spectrum. And I can 
testify that it is definitely more blessed to give than to receive. I, I, I've definitely been blessed to receive, and I've been uh, I've received miracles, even financial miracles. Um, we'll get into that maybe in another show, but uh, it does feel more blessed, more joyous to be the giver, to be the one that supplies and uh, the one that God uses to bless other people. Matthew 6, he says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But uh, collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you see right there, he doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. So like if your heart's really in heaven, then uh, you know your, your money's gonna go there too. No, he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the, the heart follows the treasure saying don't don't you know he, he's exhorting the the listeners here to uh to to give of their treasure to the place where they want their heart to turn to and so if you want your heart to ter- be turned more heavenward start putting your treasure towards heaven start giving of your resources and and your abundance towards other people being generous because then your heart will follow that so uh, the third thing that I try to do is I, I also try to talk about it often. And so, uh, you know, whether with your spouse or with an accountability group or in a journal, um, you know, think about and talk about where your heart is in regards to your stuff. And I have right here um, a journal. And I'll just be a little bit transparent with you guys and read a journal entry from just two years ago. And this is just me kind of pouring out my heart. Uh, when it comes to where I was at that point um, in regards to giving. It says, Lord, it's been a while, and so I'm starting this as a prayer. It's been a while since I journaled or wrote anything to you. As of now, I have a million things that can occupy my mind and energy. My task list is never ending. However, before I jump into any of them, I feel that this is necessary. I need to hear from you and I need you to minister to me. Lord, please keep me close to you and not let me deceive myself into thinking that I'm independent. As of this moment, I'm more blessed, or at least I feel more blessed than any other time in my life. My marriage is great, my family is strong, my business is growing, my church life is vibrant, and I'm scared. I see a million opportunities for each area of my life to collapse, and I know it could happen. If it did, would my faith crumble? That's not a question I really want to know the answer to. But having gone through trials in the past, I'm confident that you would sustain me. So rather than sulking in what could potentially go wrong, let me count my blessings. And then I started listing my blessings. I'm financially wealthier than I've ever been. My family is blessed and strong. I've been entrusted with discipling men. And and, um, I start listing off the people. My church trusts me to lead them. My business is growing. Candace is being used in her giftings. We have a beautiful home and a life most people dream of. I get to travel the world and serve God. And then I end with this prayer. Lord, you are the giver of good gifts, and I honor you as God. I thank you, Father, but I never want your gifts to take precedence over you in my heart. Keep me focused on you and sustain me. Sustain my faith. I pray that your blessings would continue, but I also pray that my focus and my dependency on you would continue as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So this was August of 2018, but just a month later, right? Literally uh, a month and two days later, I I have a um, a prayer in a journal uh, the the very next month, and my attitude is a little bit different. It, it seems like I have. This stress of having a lot, like, you know, in that previous one, I had a lot and I was scared. I know everything could crumble, but I need dependency on you. And just hear the tone of this next journal. It says, Lord, you've been so good to me. Your blessings and provision and favor are in abundance. I don't want to mess things up. Please keep me close to you, far from sin and vigilant against temptation in my period of ease. I pray that you would continue to increase our income and influence, but help me to be a better steward. I haven't given more. I haven't saved more. And I'm in a dangerous spot in our prosperity. I feel guilty because it's like it's never enough. It's always just a little more. God, remove greed and selfishness from me. Are ease and comfort bad? I feel like they are because I have this guilt. I know that I'm not living radically or I don't have a wartime mindset. Help me, Lord. I repent. And so it it just depends on the season that I'm in. Literally, that was within a month. One month, I'm very optimistic. And and though I have some struggles, I'm still, you know, kind of positive towards my my view. And the next month, I'm almost in despair just because like, gosh, I, I feel like I'm in ease and I'm doing nothing. And, uh, you know, for me, journaling is an extremely helpful tool in life, um, in business, my walk with God, especially for us entrepreneurs. We, we have a million thoughts in our mind simultaneously, and it's often hard to make sense of any of them. Uh, for me, journaling is a way to slow down, to pause, to reflect, and to think about what you're thinking about, really, uh, so that you can really understand where you are. And so th- those are the three things that I try to keep constant with regards to money, uh, be self-aware, treat giving as a non-negotiable and talk about it often, even if it's just talking about it with yourself or talking about it in, in prayers to God. I'd love to hear back from some of you guys. How do you keep free from the love of money? Thanks for sticking around. If you liked this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe, share the podcast with others and write a review. It only takes a second and it helps get the word out to more people. Also, If you want to support the podcast financially, please visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Sean Tamba. That's patreon.com forward slash S-E-A-N-T-A-M-B-A. Any amount definitely helps. You can also see the link in the show notes. That's it for today, folks. Thank you and God bless.